last week. So I hope you have an outline because you'll want it and you'll be able to uh, make some notes on it and follow along. You see your three circles there. Let me get my three circles up and uh, we'll uh, begin the Christmas that was, was last week. The Christmas that is, is today. So if you remember, we have a world that is broken. Can you say broken? Broken. Broken. And there's pain. There is guilt. There is shame, of course, because of this. And that is not God's design. God's perfect design was over here. And because of our rebellion, oh, we ran away and we have sin, right? Are you with me so far? Okay, but God loved us so much that he did this incredible thing. I'm going to test your memory, which is kind of scary sometimes. <laughs> what were the seven aspects from last week of the Christmas that was? Now, some of you might have your bulletin from last week, and you can cheat a little. But can you remember? Okay, here we go. Jesus comes to earth, because God sends him, to break into our brokenness. And he comes along and he says, the kingdom of God is here. That was number one. He said to repent, which was number two. He said believe, which was number three. And then, if we do that, we make him king. And if he's king, now he came down to teach us the truth. He taught us life. He was the word, which is a little book right there. But as we know, he had to pay for our sin, and he went down into the grave, and he came back up. And so we, when we make him king, we begin to follow him, right? That was number four, because Jesus, in these seven aspects, he came to uh, uh, die, which he did, and he came to resurrect, which he did. And I'm missing one. Do you know what it was? Messiah. He is the Messiah, and that's why he is the king. He is the one. So that's where we were last week, remember? The Christmas that was is about salvation, about redemption, about forgiveness. And we have to remember that it is my sin that separates me from God, right? And he, and he dealt with that. And he talked about my guilt. My guilt separates uh, me because it makes me hide from God. Do you ever realize that? You hide. When you feel guilty from your parents, what did you do? You, you hide or you hid. And that that uh, guilt causes us to hide. What did Adam and Eve do when they were overcome with guilt and shame because of sin? What did they do? They hid, right? Because that's what shame does. When you have shame in your, or guilt in your life you, you, and you're not willing to deal with it, you want to just run from God. Do you think our world is running from God right now? Say amen. 
it is running from God and, and so fast. And then my shame keeps me hiding from others because I'm ashamed, right? My shame keeps me hiding from others. And then my fear keeps me for, from asking for help because I, I'm afraid of being rejected. I'm afraid of punishment. I'm afraid of, of, of doubt. I'm afraid. So God comes along in the Christmas that was, and he deals with the sin, the shame, the guilt, the fear, because First uh, John says, what about fear? Perfect love casts out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. It has to be, be uh, with rejection. And God comes along, and he crashes our world. Uh, Ephesians says it this way, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we're dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And we go, woo! That was the Christmas that was. He dealt with our brokenness. He, he dealt with our shame, our guilt, our sin, right? Well, let's let me read two passages out of, out of Corinthians to, to really segue into the gift that is Christmas today. And I'm going to pick it up in, in chapter 2, verse 36. Peter has just preached the, on the day of Pentecost. He has just explained what they did to Jesus, how it was foretold, and they're cut to the heart, and they're like, uh-oh, we really screwed up. God broke into our world to rescue us and we crucified him. What shall we do? And this is what he says to them. He says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know that for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. Now they, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brother, what, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And here it is. Here's the kicker. Here's what the gift or the Christmas that is. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and to your children and for all, that's us, who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And then in chapter 5, when they're in front of the Sanhedrin and they're getting railed on, Peter says it this way, verse 27, And when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest questioned, We strictly charged you not to, to speak in this name, and yet here you are, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And here it is. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Just because Jesus crashed our world or crashed our party and broke into our brokenness, not everybody's going to follow him. Not everybody's going to obey him. The people that obey him are the ones that get the Holy Spirit. It's like, right on. That's right. I'm going to get the Holy Spirit. And so then we turn to uh, the 2 Corinthians 
which is what I've put on the title, even though we're really not going to dissect 2 Corinthians chapter 5, but let me just read it to you. It, uh, beginning at verse 17, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The old person that you were, you left in a watery grave. The old person, the, the old wife you used to be, the old daughter you used to be, the old husband you used to be, the old person that you used to be is dead and gone. It's so symbolic when you go into a watery grave and you come up and you have newness of life and Satan comes along and tries to remind you that's not who you are now, you're still that person. But Corinthians, Paul says, you are a new creation in Christ. The old is past, it's dead, it's buried. And he says, behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, Christ was, uh, all this is from God. Wait, 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 I missed my line. That is, in Christ was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors to Christ, or for Christ, making God's, make, God making his appeal through us. And we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, here's where I really wanted to focus in on is verse 21. It says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That we would become the righteousness of God. Ephesians says it just a little different, but a little maybe clearer. It says, you are to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Now let that sink in. I know we've ran through these verses, but let this sink in. You are to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. You are to be like God. You are to be like Jesus. You are to be in his likeness to the world. In true righteousness, not self-righteousness, not false righteousness, but true righteousness and in holiness. Raise your hand if you that, that statement makes you feel just a wee bit inadequate. <laughs> how, how am I going to do that, Lord? You knew the scumbag I used to be. Now, I, I never presented myself as a scumbag, but inside I was narcissistic, I was selfish. It was about me. I had anger. I had control issues. I had lust issues. I had problems. And they were always everybody else's fault. And I know who I used to be. And now you're telling me I'm this new creation that I can suddenly be the likeness of Jesus? You talk about holding up a, a, a moniker or a title or an image. That, how, how am I going to do that? How in the world am I to put on the new self created in the likeness of God? Are you telling me, God, I'm supposed to be a mini Christ? You, how many of you ever been in a mini Cooper? Well, you're, you're a mini Christ. You are to carry around the fragrance of Christ wherever you go. You are to be uh, 
now you're not the savior of the world. Don't, don't misunderstand what he's saying, but you are to be the light that brings Christ into a dark world. You are his ambassadors. You are to be filled with him, with Christ's likeness. And you're like, whoa, now how am I supposed to do this? This is what Paul says. I love Paul. How many of you love Paul? Yeah. Paul's good, right? Yeah. He's good. Because he, he knows exactly who we are. Because he was one of us, right? He says this, I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. It's in Romans chapter 7. He says, I have the desire to do what is right. How many of you have the desire to do right? Yeah, I want to do right. But not the ability to carry it out. Wow. I don't have the ability to carry it out. I, my desire is to be like Christ. My desire is to walk in holiness. My desire is to walk in true righteousness. I, I am made in the image of God, according to Genesis, but now I'm not even that. It's even higher up on the food chain, and that is I'm supposed to walk in true righteousness and true holiness like my Heavenly Father. And then he goes on. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Who is going to deliver me from this body of death? And you all know this next line. Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. But here's, here's the segue, though. This is the transition. This is really where we're at right here, okay? Because Paul in chapter 8 of Romans says this that it is only through the Holy Spirit that we're able to have a transformed life. It is only through the Spirit that He is able to change us and remake us. It is only through the Spirit that we can walk in the shadow of Christ and reflect some of His glory to the world. Nothing that we have done, everything is through the Spirit through Christ. In fact, he says it this way, and, and we all know this verse, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We all say, yes, right? And he says this for the rest of the verse, for the law of the spirit of life. Isn't it interesting that the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of life? That's one of his titles. The spirit of, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You have been given supernatural power to make the old man stay down, or the old woman, let's be fair, because there are some pretty old women out there that need to stay down, right? And become the new creation that you were supposed to be since the foundation of the world. And that, that is what the gift of the Christmas that is about the Holy Spirit. And so this right here, this, all of this, these seven things, last week was the was of Christmas, and it is the Holy Spirit right here that is the gift that is 
Now next week we're going to talk about the gift that will be, which is going to be really exciting. But this is just as exciting as this because I'm being transformed and you're being transformed. And if you don't think that's exciting, then you're dead. Seriously. Because God is changing you. And that is the most exciting thing in the world, to be changed. That's going to be how yielded you are, isn't it? If you're yielded to the Spirit, Spirit's going to have His way with you. And In fact, is, is the phrase, be filled with the Spirit, is, is that a command? Or is that happen chance? It's a command. Because to be filled with alcohol means alcohol controls you. To be filled with lust, that means lust controls you. To be filled with the Spirit, that means the Spirit controls you. Are you with me on this? And so we are commanded to be filled with the Spirit, which means that we continue to die to self, don't we? We continue to die to self. Last week we have seven aspects. Today we're going to have seven as well. And it's seven of the gifts that the Spirit brings you. Sometimes we think of the gift of the Holy Spirit and we don't kind of peel back the layers and see that He gives us many gifts, many gifts. And we don't want to be like the Corinthians that were just interested in supernatural signs, right? They, 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 of all the things the Spirit gives us, it's not as great as the other ones. And so that's why Paul had to correct them. So let's look at the very first fill in the blank, the, the gifts the Spirit gives us. And that is, he gives us a new birth in Christ. And if you remember when Jesus met with Nicodemus and, and he's talking to him, and Jesus says, you must be born again, and Nicodemus pulls a, huh? And he goes on, he says, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And he says this, Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. And that is you have to be born from above. And it is the Spirit that is involved in the conversion process. Hallelujah. It's not up to you to convert somebody. Say amen to that. It is the Spirit's job because He's the one that gives us the new birth in Christ. Now we have to partner, and that's a great glorious thing. Something not to be scared of, but that's exciting that we get to partner with the Holy Spirit. But uh, let's look at the Titus passage, which is the next slide. It says, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. One of the things that the Holy Spirit is constantly doing is he's constantly renewing us. He's constantly washing us. He's constantly involved in our life and he gives us that new birth but he doesn't leave us in the cradle he continues to walk with us in the constant washing of regeneration and renewal of the holy spirit you've heard rome wasn't built in a day well to change you takes an army doesn't it 
because you're that messed up. And so am I. And it's, it's the Holy Spirit that just comes and works on us and works on us. And if you're, if you're the same person you were five years ago, don't, something should go off in your brain that you've plateaued. Something should trigger and say, wait, I'm, I'm, no, longer, I'm no longer moving forward. Then something is amiss inside here. Okay, I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm talking about your maturity. I'm talking about getting prepared to live in heaven, to be prepared to live in his presence. As we talked about before in, in, in C.S. Lewis or Dante or whoever, which philosopher said it, it said hell is locked from the inside, not the outside. They have locked themselves in because they've wandered so far away from God. And, and I'm not saying that that's what we do when we hit plateaus, but don't be satisfied. Continue to push on because the Spirit is there to continue to refresh you, regenerate you, and make you the man or woman that you're supposed to be. Number two is probably the most incredible gift that he gives us, that Jesus really initiated, and that is he indwells us. The Spirit indwells us. Man, sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad, right? It's always good. But who do you think nudges you in the middle of the night? Who do you think is prompting you to do the things that are of God? Who sometimes has to scream at you when you're going down a path that you're not supposed to go down? It is the Holy Spirit that is indwelling you. Sometimes we think thoughts, and I'll tell you what, they did not originate with you. Especially if you're praying and you're praying out loud and you say something, you're like, whoa, that didn't come from my brain. You know who that came from? That came from the Holy Spirit. It is amazing to be in prayer with three or four people and you're thinking about something. All of a sudden, somebody prays the exact words that you needed to hear and you're like, that's the Spirit talking to me. I'm telling you, it's He indwells you and He indwells me. And so when we get together, we have a party and we're able to communicate and talk and grow and mature and become, again, the men and women that, well, my mind. That's heading back towards God's perfect design. This is what John says. We'll go to the next slide. It says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this he said about the Spirit, whom, whose, uh, who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And so if you remember in the upper room, Jesus says, I'm leaving. The disciples all start crying. And he says, let me comfort you. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he is not going to just be on the outside of you like I am. He is going to be on the inside of you. And you're never going to be alone. You're going to have this supernatural power that is through Christ Jesus, through the Spirit, to change your life. Number three is this. He convicts and reveals Jesus Christ to men. How many of you have had to have a come to Jesus meeting with a, a son or daughter? 
Wow, Owen, you got good kids. <laughs> How many times have you had a come to Jesus meeting with just you and Jesus? And he wakes you up at three o'clock in the morning and he has taken every bit of sleep from you. What's that? You're not enough fingers. And, and he starts talking. Why is it that the spirit has to talk to us in the middle of the night? No, 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 I'm not saying that begrudgingly. I think it's because we are so stinking busy doing the things of the world or doing the things that are less important and we don't make the margin to hear the Spirit while we're walking through Walmart. Because there are times, and I, he's talking to you during the day, but we're so busy focused on what we want instead of being aware of his presence. And so he has to wake us up at three because it's finally quiet in here and in here. And then what did he tell us? He says, you did not treat your wife well yesterday, did you? Whew. Right? Boy, you are getting a little uppity at work, aren't you? And people are starting to notice. Whew. Did you notice that your neighbor's car hasn't left for four weeks? And now there's spider webs going on the tire and the, and the cats are peeing on the, the tire rim? Why don't you go over there and find out why their car's not moving? And then you have this thought, it's broken? Yeah, it's broken and you're the one to fix it. See, we have these come to Jesus moments and it's because he convicts us and reveals Jesus Christ to men. He convicts us and reveals Jesus Christ to men. It, it's funny that the scripture says he, he's going to do just three things. Of course, he does so much more. But go to the next slide where, where it says, And when he comes, that is the Spirit, this is Jesus talking in the upper room, he will convict the world concerning sin. And we usually stop there. But he's also su supposed to convict us of righteousness. What is right? What is wrong? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live? Jesus is living inside of me? Okay, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God. Okay, what does that look like? It looks like these come to Jesus meetings, right? He convicts us of sin. Yeah, he convicts us of righteousness and also of judgment. I, I, the Spirit reshapes your worldview. The way you view life suddenly changes. Maybe not miraculously, but bit by bit, He starts changing your worldview. You and I used to believe so many things of the world. Say amen, because you did. And then in the light of the gospel, in the light of God's word, you started to change your opinion to a conviction because it was founded on the word and the authority of Jesus Christ. And now you're like, man, I, I have a totally different view than I did. You know, I used to be a little waffly over here. Now I'm rock solid. And, and I had a lady uh, that was a dear friend of not, I have a, a, my best friend. One of my best friends growing up in, in, in school, elementary and high school. He was my best man at my wedding. Staunch Catholic family. The mother told me, oh, Robbie, Robbie, Robbie. 
You see everything is black and white, but the whole world is just gray. And I finally answered Danny about 30 years later. I said, no, everything is still black and white, but what has grown is not gray, but grace. And I have now, my black is blacker and my white is whiter because I've been studying the word. And, and he's changing my worldview on a whole lot of things. And that's what the Spirit does. He comes in and he convicts you. You used to have wrong thinking or stinking thinking or just no thinking. And he comes along and starts changing you. A person cannot know who he or she really is until it is examined by the light of the gospel. It isn't until then that he exposes all of our philosophies that are actually rooted in demonic things, you know, where before we thought it was benign or cute or, or whatever. And he comes along and he shapes our worldview. And that is a beautiful thing because it gives you the conviction to undergo persecution. Because if you're waffly, persecution comes along and you topple, right? And so pers realize that. Number four, this is number four. He teaches us the words of Jesus. Jesus said this in the upper room. He said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Your hearts are broken. And when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth and he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And Jesus says, he's my mouthpiece. And so in John 14, 26, he, he says it a different way. A little earlier on, he says, but the helper. Now, as soon as you hear that the, the Holy Spirit is a helper, it's almost a subordinate position, right? Um, I once remodeled the front of my house. I put a bay window in. I didn't do it. I had a good friend named Scott. He came. He worked. I was the gopher. I was the helper. But I was willing to do whatever he told me to do. And I did. He put a, a, a new wall on, on the front of my house. I, he wasn't the helper. I was the helper. And so when Jesus says, I'm going to send a helper to you, it's almost like, well, he's just this kind of shadowy figure in the background of your life. No, 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 no. Because that word can also be translated counselor or advocate. And so when it says helper, don't get the idea that Jesus is, I'm going to send a helper to you. You know, you just need a little leg up and you're going to do this, this transformation on your own. A lot of Christians think that they, they have the responsibility of transforming themselves. And they can't. It is through the Spirit that you're transformed. That's the gift that Christmas is. He has been given to you to transform you. And he's your counselor. He's your advocate. He is the one that teaches you the words of Jesus. Now, there are two words in the Greek language that can be translated into English word. And one is the logos or logos, however you like to pronounce it. It's okay. Nobody's going to get you in trouble for it. But the logos is the word. Okay. 
It is Jesus. And when the word became flesh, the logos became flesh, the spoken word of God suddenly took power and, and transformed. Our world is held together by the power of Jesus, by his very word, it is upheld. And so we have this incredibly big, big word, logos. The Holy Spirit uses that to teach us and train us in righteousness, right? Corrects us, rebukes us. But then there's another word in the Greek language for word. And it's the word rhema. And it means a word. Not the word, but a word. I think one of the biggest decisions any person makes is to get married. Say amen. <laughs> Do your homework, right? Don't marry the first person that comes along that says, oh, you're cute, right? Boy, do you need a word from the Lord? If you should marry that person, somebody say amen. <laughs> okay, the word will give you parameters. The word, the logos will say, marry a believer. Don't marry an unbeliever. What, what does light have to do with darkness? Why, why would you get yoked up with somebody that has a different worldview? Because I'm changing your worldview. It might not be like that. But don't go and marry an unbeliever. Okay, that's the logos. And then you find Mrs. Wright or Mr. Wright, and you're like, Lord, is this the one? Now what are you expecting from the Holy Spirit? A word. You want a rhema. Well, what about a job change? What about uh, an, uh, building a, uh, buying property, building a church, moving to another state for another job, taking care of a, 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 an elderly parent? What am I supposed to do? Man, isn't the Holy Spirit invaluable? Because you can ask him and say, God, what, Holy Spirit, what am I supposed to do here? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast, I'm going to pray, I'm going to seek your wisdom, I'm going to have you be my advocate. Give me a word. And he does. If our ears are open, he's giving it. We may not hear it because we're not trained our senses to hear from him. That's, that's a whole other sermon, but he is there. He teaches us the words of Jesus. Number five is this. He intercedes for us when we don't know how to pray. Man, there have been times in our lives where we have no idea how to pray. Because we are broken over what is happening. And we are confused. And we are mixed up. And we don't even know which way is up and which way is down. And the Spirit intercedes for us. It says it this way in Romans. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. What happens when you lose your parent? What happens when you lose a child prematurely? How do you make sense of that? How do you even know how to begin to pray? How do you pray for your mother who's a dementia 
an, an Alzheimer unit patient and she doesn't remember you at all. How do you pray? What do you pray? Guess what? The Spirit knows because He's inside you. He's dwelling in you. Man, what a beautiful thing to know that even though you can't formulate the words, the Spirit is communicating your heart's desire to the God of creation, the God that can change things, the God that can provide all comfort and peace even when it seems like it's chaos. Wow. Number six is this. It's my favorite. He changes us. Woohoo! And he sanctifies us. Sanctifies is a fancy word that says make you like God, make you like Jesus. What he said that he was going to do. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be, be changed. Become a witness by the way you live your life. Become sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Do you know old people that are really sweet? Say amen if you do. Man, I know some sweet old people. How many of you know some mean, old, crotchety people? I won't say amen to that, but you know what I'm talking about. What happened? A curmudgeon? No, this is worse than a curmudgeon, these old people. They're mean. They're surly. They're narcissistic. They only think of themselves. Those are the people that come to the customer service and scream at the clerk because they, they were overcharged by five cents and they throw the receipt at them, right? And you go, and yet they claim to be a Christian. Yet they claim, uh, they go to church. Yeah, they go to church, but they are not changed. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. Second Thessalonians says it this way, but we ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. God is changing you through the Holy Spirit. And that means you, when you get older, as you age, you should be displaying more and more of grace and mercy and beauty and less of your stinky old self, right? That is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, all those beautiful things. Number seven, we need to wrap up. He gives power to witness and gifts to serve. He gives power to witness and gifts to serve. If you're walking with the Spirit, you're going to know exactly what to say when that coworker dumps on you or says something to you that is derogatory about Jesus. You're going to have the words, you know. Yeah. Are you the type of person that you always think of what to say after the event? You know, sometimes that's God's grace. You know, he's keeping your mouth shut because you weren't going to be graceful. 
And then other times you say the most perfect thing to the listeners because the Spirit is actually using you at that moment. How exciting is that, that God is using you at that moment? That's pretty exciting. And Corinthians, you know, the whole chapter 12 is about that, but he says this, and there's a slide there for you, chapter uh now there are a variety of gifts with the same spirit and there are varieties of service with the same lord and there are varieties of activities but it is the same god who empowers them all and everyone and then in bold it says to each to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good you were given a spiritual gift and you do not want to get up to heaven and god says what'd you do with the gift and you're going to say, well, I didn't know what it was, so I did nothing. Ask the Spirit. Ask for a word. Put your hands to many things. And it may not be a Billy Graham gift. It may be I'm cleaning the toilets gift. One of my first jobs was cleaning a toilet, several toilets after 23 men. Let me tell you, you have a servant's heart to do that. And God has given you a special gift, and he wants you to use it. Not for you, but what did it say? For the common good. Now I'm going to circle back around, and we need to close. And it's, it's it has just a little barb, okay? So I'm going to warn you, it just has a little barb on it. And that Acts chapter 5 passage that I read I read, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those that obey him. And most people, most people don't want to be saved from their sin. They just want to be saved from the penalty of their sin. And there's a big difference. And if you haven't come to that place of recognition, then that board of following, you're probably not following because you haven't repented. You haven't believed. You haven't gone through the conversion process and you're just kind of got your toe in the water without jumping in. You cannot tiptoe into Christianity. You're like, I believe and I'm going for it. I'm jumping in. I'm going deep. And tiptoeing doesn't mean you're in the water means you're testing the waters, and that's okay if that's where you're at, testing the waters. But come and know that the Holy Spirit will come when you have given your life to Him. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Say amen to that. But you have believed that He is the Christ, and you have given your life over to Him, and you're dying to self so that he can live inside of you. Holy Spirit's going to be there. But again, most people don't want to be saved from their sin. They just want to be saved from the penalty of their sins. You're not that way. I know. But there are people that are listening to this podcast, maybe be watching this video, and they're not. They're tiptoeing into the, into the pool, but they haven't jumped in. And until you jump in, that's when the life change happens. God doesn't clean a fish until he has caught the fish. Amen?
Father, we thank you for today and the encouraging word that you've given us that we have the Holy Spirit and we're not alone and you're changing us and you're doing a work in us and you're be making us become the men and women that you've called us to be into the likeness of true righteousness and holiness. And we come with hat in hand, just so humbled, just so overwhelmed with your goodness and your love. And we thank you for saving us and giving us the gift of forgiveness and salvation and redemption. But now we see another gift in this Christmas. And that is that we have the Holy Spirit. Spirit, forgive us. When we have quenched you. When we have grieved you. And have broken your heart. And our stubbornness and our selfishness and our self-righteousness gets in the way. Thank you for your promise of never leaving us, forsaking us, changing us. Our prayer then this morning is that we would be totally yielded to you. That we would hear you like never before as you change us so that we can be reflectors of the glory of Jesus. We ask these things in your name. Amen.